when you touch a man, you touch everything he touches. You touch his wife or his future wife, you touch his children or his future children, you touch a future you may not even see. When it gets in the home, it could flat change not only that home, but it changes the community, changes the city. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We're so honored that you're taking time to listen today. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Elif. We have the privilege of walking us into some revival truths and hearing some testimonies of what the Lord is doing in the world. And today we're going to talk about revival in the home. Yeah. And I don't think we have to <clears throat> convince anybody that revival is needed, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> you have a bunch of kids, obviously, yeah. and that are grown and having kids. You have like 147 grandchildren mm-hmm. at this point. But I'm in the all in the house stage. So we have five from ages nine to one now. And so we've just sort of had that where we've been able to go on date nights and leave all five with Mm. someone. Okay. Mm. So we were taking the baby with us in recent days. So Bill, you're going to love this. (laughs) So we had this awesome young lady uh, who who came from a big family and, and, and she was not Overwhelmed by the idea of all five for a date night, so we decided to. Look, if anybody can do this, yeah, she sure, can. Sure, she did. <laughs> she actually served like in, in in kids ministry and did other things. So, mm-hmm. so we leave all the kiddos with or one night, and and we go out, and it's great, glorious. It's quiet. You know, we don't mm-hmm. say like five words. The did whole you time. ever just get out of the car? Or <laughs> yeah, just, just, cry. Yeah. <laughs> it was all. But when we get home, uh, and I open the door, we knew. This this is not went very well, <laughs> and she is in a full sweat, <laughs> full sweat, and there's chaos, and you yeah. know kids are shirtless, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like they have, and I and I thought she's she's ready to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> this is a home that needs revival <laughs> right, right yeah. now. Right now, they maximize this moment when mom and dad are gone. That's right. Well, it just shows. Yeah. You know, every home is filled with people, and people are sinful That's right. <laughs> and needy. And, you know, we all, uh, revival is, is an extraordinary movement of God that produces extraordinary results. Right. And I, through the years, Kyle, I've noticed that where the, where the water really hits the wheel is in the home. Right. I mean, we can say all day long in a church, well, we're having revival, but if that if if that doesn't happen in the home, mm-hmm. because who I am is who I am when the shades are pulled and the doors are shut. That's who I really. That's who I really am. And so uh, today we want to talk just a minute about how revival in the home uh, comes and what it looks like. And we want to read a passage, maybe familiar to you, in Deuteronomy six. If you have your Bible, you can look at this. But let me just read. These first verses of Deuteronomy 6, it says, This is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, this is Moses, that you might do them in the land where you're going to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days will be prolonged. O Israel, you should be 
listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the great Shema that every Jewish person has uh, on their doorpost. And then he says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Now, now what does revival, real revival, bring to a home? Well, first of all, it brings a revived passion. I mean, when we, when we meet with God, the more we see him, the more we love him. And, and, and revival is nothing more than falling in love with Jesus all over again, right? Uh, you know, I, I have had, I've mentioned this on an earlier podcast, I've had a love affair with, with Oreo cookies for a long time in my life. And, you know, what you value is what you're going to do. I know guys who just love their work. I know guys that just love football. And I mean, they talk about it. They read about it. They study about it. They can tell you stats from 50 years ago because what you value, what you really love, that's what you're going to invest your life in. So, so get the picture of this. Here's the Israelites. They've been set free by God from Egyptian slavery. They've come all the way to the wilderness. They're right on the edge of the land that God has promised is going to be a new land for a new people, a new nation in Israel. And they're coming into a pagan culture. The Canaanites were unbelievable, sacrificing children, doing all kinds of things. And God knew that they would be completely uh, uh, absorbed by that culture if one thing wasn't there, and that's to love the Lord. And not just uh, in a casual way. I mean, this is very distinct what he says. I want you to love me with all of your heart, not little portions of your heart. I say, well, I, I love him here, but I, I, I love something else more than him right over here. No, all of your heart. And love him with all of your mind. You want to know him. You want to think about him. You want to talk to him. Your mind and your soul, right? And your strength. I mean, all of that is to be devoted in a love relationship to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you say, well, Bill, what, is this, what does this do about the home? Well, he's talking to fathers and mothers right here. And he's saying, look, this has got to be established in your first church, which is your home. There was something beautiful about it. I, I had wonderful parents, just godly. My dad was a pastor. My mother was just a precious praying woman. And uh, raised the four of us. All four are in ministry. And, uh, you know, I remember I, I interviewed my mom one time. I brought her to church and just interviewed her about, about how they had raised us. And she said something that I'd heard my mom and dad say many times before. And she said, you know, the one thing that we just wanted our kids to know above everything else is that their mom and dad loved Jesus more than anything. And and they did. And we, we caught that. We didn't just hear it. We, we caught that. They, they thought Jesus was wonderful. My mother would walk around the house. She sang about a quarter tone sharp all the time, just kind of get you a little bit. 
but she would be singing, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my soul, my all. In fact, that, that line is on her tombstone uh, to this day. They love Jesus, and because they love Jesus, we love Jesus. I mean, what was not to love about this Jesus that they love? So when revival comes to a home, it renews our passion. We, we just fall in love with Jesus all over again. And I might just pause right here and ask you as you're watching or listening today, do you love Jesus? I mean, Jesus looked at Peter one day and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Because everything depends upon that. So as a mom, as a dad, do you love Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And if you do, and revival is in your home, a revived home, there's not only a revived passion, but secondly, there's a revived mission. Now look what it says in verse 6. These words, Moses said, I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. On your heart, not on your head. In other words, not that you know some facts and you've memorized this and you can just spew it out in your head. I know a lot, a lot of people who have, have the word of God on their head, but not on their heart. And that the, the, the movement from 18 inches from here to here happens by application. I mean, by saying, okay, Lord, when you say something to me, I'm going to love you enough that I just do it without, without question. So I want these words to be on your heart, the truths of God to be on your heart. And then he says this, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You see, a revived family knows their mission, and their mission is to know and proclaim God to everyone, beginning right in their home. Your home is your first church. I'm a pastor, been pastoring for over 50 years, but you know where my church is that I pastor first and foremost? It was right in my home all those years. Uh, if that doesn't get right, then, in fact, Paul said that in First. Timothy 3, about instructions for elders. A man must be able to manage his household well, because if he can't do that there, how can he lead the church? So our mission is to know the Word of God, to let it move from our head to our heart, and then to proclaim. And look what he says. You are to teach them diligently. In other words, uh, you know, I, I, my kids are all out of the house. They're all married. They've all uh, finish their education in terms of uh, public education, I mean, uh, college and all that. But uh, the truth of the matter is that during those years, that was my biggest task. That was my wife's biggest task. And she did more of that than, than I did in a more formal way, but just diligently. I mean, you get up every day and you say, you know what? I, I'm raising, that's, a, that's an adult in a little child's body. And he's going to be an adult here in just a few years. And I, I can't waste time about this. I've got to be diligent about this. And I've got to, he says, teach them. And then I've just got to talk to them. And those are kind of two different things. There's kind of these formal moments where we say, hey, we're going to pull the family together. 
and we're going to teach something right here. But then he says, just talk to them. And, and, and it's a comprehensive all-life experience. So he says, look, when you're sitting down or when you're standing up or when you're walking or when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, what, what, you say, what do you mean? We are bringing in a revived home, you bring Christ into every moment of the common day. Now you say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you bring it into every relationship. Every one of those children, you're just talking to them always about Christ. You're expressing them the love of Christ. You're praying with them constantly. You do that with every circumstance. I can't tell you how many thousands of times probably my children, uh, even now as adult children, will have some problem or difficulty, and uh, I can just complain with them about some situation or worry with them, or I can take them a little higher and say, well, you know what this is all about? This is all about faith. This is about this moment is just an exercise that the Lord is allowing you to go through to teach you how to trust him. And, and you're going to decide whether you're going to live by bread alone or by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So every moment, every decision, every beautiful moment, every financial blessing. I mean, we ought to constantly, boy, the Lord's given us some money or God's provided through our work. The Bible says everything comes from the Lord. So I want to constantly orient my children to that. A revived home does that. It says, well, let's just stop and thank the Lord for this, because that's where it came from, kids. You know that, right? Right. And you know, now we're stewards of this, and, and we know that we give the first fruits to him, right? So let's, let's do that. And uh, we're constantly teaching in every conflict, every decision, not preaching to him all the time, saying things that we're not doing, but just because we love the Lord with all our heart, and we want our children to love the Lord with all of their hearts. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now look at this. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Don't ignore him. Bring him into the equation. And guess what will happen? He's part of the family now. He directs our paths, and all of us know it together. That's what happens in a revived home. So in a revived home, there's a revived passion, and there's a revived mission, right, both in our home and outside our home, and this finally leads to a revived legacy. I love what God promise, promises here. He says, if you do this, you, your son, and your grandsons, three, three generations, will fear the Lord, and, uh, and God by the way, will prolong your life. He'll give you uh, long years and good years because he has everything to gain by populating the earth with people that love the Lord with all of their hearts. So Kyle, I think uh, the challenge today, and we're going to hear an incredible testimony in a moment about revival that's come to home, is, is, is our home revived? Right. Right. And and here are the markers. Sure. Is there a revived passion right. that has led to this revived mission right. that will create a revived legacy in the third and fourth generation? Man. 
such truth. And we know it's not to live toward that goal. Mm-hmm. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Right. You know, like it's, right. it's many times it's work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Many times. And we make big mistakes. Big, huge, which is some of the greatest testimonies to God's goodness, even yeah. in our, our failure. This morning, you're sharing, and you know how you don't come to really understand how big a moment something was mm-hmm. until later. You're sharing, and I'm reminded of this very morning. This morning, my, my boys around the table, and, and I do a little devotion with them in the morning, and it is never like the glory of the Lord is falling. <laughs> and there's nobody in the back yeah. playing the keyboard. Yeah, that's soft but, music. Yeah, right. But we're getting the word in there. Mm-hmm. We're getting some truths in there, and they listen sometimes well and sometimes not. You know, you know the word that's often used in the New Testament, admonish, yeah. you know, admonish them. That literally means put into the mind. Yeah. You you literally are that it's not in their mind. Right. They're not even on their radar. Right. And you're putting it in yeah. their mind. And you may be they may not get it at that moment. Yeah. But that the word is in their return voice. It's in there. Well, mm-hmm. so we get done with that and Abel COVID. And last night when I got home, I noticed that Abel had took taken all these cardboard boxes we have in the garage mm-hmm. and he'd built this pretty cool tower mm-hmm. thing. So I leaned over to, to him and I said, Abel, I saw what you built. Like, that's impressive, but you're a great builder. You're a great builder. You're way better. Dad's, I'm not really good at that kind of stuff. And I was just encouraging, you know, built. And it was pretty cool. And this is exact words. And even I'm going to lose it. I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a great builder. You're a great builder. He said, yeah, Dad, but you're a great pastor. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you and I, and I thought, you know, we just walked away from the word. You know, and, and he sees me as that in our, in our home. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it right all the time at all, but I'm, but I'm trying. Yeah. But I'm trying. And so I, I know that this testimony will help build our faith for that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take some time here and lean in and listen to this. We are so blessed today to have on the One Cry podcast, Keith Boggs, who's the founder and the executive uh, director of Real Momentum Ministries. Keith, we're glad to have you. Thank you, Kyle. Good to be here. Well, Keith, I know I'm just getting to know you and getting to know your heart, even in the last few moments, man. We got a lot we could talk about today. And I know Bill sort of set up this interview with talking about revival in the home and that we our desire is to see revival spread across the country. And we know the concentric circles of that personally. But when God gets a hold of the home, things start happening pretty quick. So we'd love to hear, man, what God's taught you about that. You know, just just a little bit of brief testimony. I, I got saved when I was 11 years old and, you know, in a typical what I would say an American home. And um, I knew God radically saved me. You know, even at 11, I could I know the spirit of God spoke to me from his word and um, dad working, you know, stay at home mom uh, at, at the same time. There were four of us, two older siblings and, a, and my twin brother. And so in the home, my dad didn't lead me spiritually. Uh, he didn't know how to. I think something happened. We we're five years old and he thought the best thing he could do is pull us out of the church. And, you know, sometimes churches can be frustrating. And when, when you don't know how to process things, process things spiritually, uh, your, your life can take a different trajectory. So um, save at 11, never was discipled or led by my dad in terms of that process and privilege. Um, but now he's a faithful, godly man. So I can speak from my own personal journey uh, or when I got right with God and, and revival and how that affected me. And then it, it gave me a vision, uh, really a burden to, um, to live in a right relationship with God as a single man, then, and then to be a married man. And then, you know, we didn't expect to have 11 children, but 
to be a father one day. And so, <laughs> so, you know, part of the, the whole thing that you read in scripture is that's the privilege. Uh, I think the greatest call a man could ever get is for God to call that man to himself. And, and that number one is obviously salvation, but that call continues. It's a, it's a call to everything. You know, being a husband is a call to husband, to being a husband, being a father is a call to be a father. Um, you know, being in, in the church, just, you know, I, when I got right with God in the church, I, I did not want to join the church until I went through a process of, of repentance and brokenness and realizing that, man, this is serious business. This is a holy God that I've, I've offended and sinned against. And uh, so that brokenness came in and it opened the door for uh, what I would say is humility and realizing a, a God neediness that I, unless God speaks and moves, I have no step I need to take. Um, and so part of that is when it gets in the home, we believe when you touch a man, you touch everything he touches. You touch his wife or his future wife. You touch his children or his future children or his children's children. You touch a future you may not even see because of what God's doing in your life. And we're stewards of that. So um, when it gets in the home, it could flat change not only that home, but it changes the community, changes the city. Uh, and we see that all through God's word. Eleven kiddos, by the way. I just caught that. I get that right. Yeah. Yeah, one's walking down the aisle in January. One came out of the womb in August. So we got one <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. Well, man, tell us some things that ways that you've watched God work. You know, obviously, it's the Lord's work in the life of a family, in the life of a home. But there's ways to position. So let's let's say there's some some dads on here, even pastors that are dad. I'm a I'm a dad. I have five kids, five young kids uh, from nine to one years old, and. I mean, what, what ways would you encourage a guy that's intimidated? Because I think most guys are intimidated uh, to lead their home spiritually. What ways have you seen families, even your personal story, and as you help men, just position their family for the fire of God, you know, for the formative? Yeah, I think, you know, in the very beginning, and we've read, I've read testimonies all week from men, but um, it's just forgiveness. You know, most guys don't know. And, they want to know. I think most men I've come in contact with, deep down, they want to be the man God wants them to be. But how do I get there? And at the same time, I feel like in local churches in America, there's got to be a, a repentance that's taking place because we as spiritual leaders have not led well in this area. Mm-hmm. And I think the missing ingredient to revival is the man, the spiritual leader of his family, of the churches that we we long to see revival. And, and, you know, if you, if we're honest, we're not really trying to help that man. And so I say he's the largest unengaged people group in America, even though he's in our services and who says we have them. And so I think part of it is, is number one, he's got to you know, get to the place is that he needs forgiveness he needs to forgive himself. And then also ask his wife to forgive him. And then at the same time, we need our wives to pray for us. Um, what we say is that, you know, you know, when in better man, it says that he has courage to follow God's word. Well, and, and, and so the, the, the lady side of that we teach is that she has compassion right. for God's word, yeah. you know, compassion in, in the word of God, because most likely most women will know more scripture than men will. Men feel intimidated by that. And if she's not careful, she's going to get over and just try to control that and just get frustrated with it because he's not being the spiritual leader. He don't know how my daddy did this. My daddy did that. And she saw it. And but he didn't. He didn't have the daddy around. He didn't have the model. And I think ultimately it just begins for forgiveness. You know, we've got to forgive ourselves. We didn't do it right as a family or as a church, so so to speak. And and then maybe some men of God at the church needs to come and say, God, we've let you down in this area. We've hurt our families because we haven't led well in this. But I think for the man out there, the daddy, 
uh, the first thing to do is, you know, ask for forgiveness and then get started, you know, connect with God, get right with him, and then get with another man, a seasoned man of God that can pour into you to show you uh, what family worship looks like, uh, what, what um, you know, what making godly decisions look like as a family. You know, don't leave them out of decision making. Don't leave them out of the faith uh, journey that you're in. Uh, involve them on the journey, and, and it will be something that anchors them. You may not think it is, but it uh, it is. It is. It is getting a hold of their hearts, and so it's captivating them. The world's trying to captivate their attention uh, and get us off track. But um, when you when you take them through God's Word, you give them what God's given you, and, and it could be your personal testimony. I like to tell man the f- best place to start is tell your story. You know, tell your story to your children. They don't know your gospel story, so tell it, um, and then tell them your favorite verse. Start there. Family worship could start with your favorite verse, and uh, and then it just kind of goes from what God shows you. And I, I can't agree with you more. Keith, just being blessed by having spiritual fathers in my life, men that are poured into me and discipled, and then having the privilege of seeing that reproduced into other men. I think what you said, a man's ability to under, to first get before God and ask for forgiveness, but to forgive themselves for past failures, to forget yeah. what lies behind and press forward, you know, to right. start today. And I, I often tell men, and seeing that most men will make an internal decision without ever externally saying it, that I would rather not try than fail. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to to flip the narrative on that saying, Hey, reality, we're all going to (laughs) fail. You're, you're all going to miss steps and moments and that God, God, God is against earning us earning anything from him. He's he's, he's received, but he is not opposed to effort. Just try. Right. You know, try to take it, take a step, pray with, your yeah. wife. Amen. pray with your wife, you know, open the Bible and read, you know, I got five young kids. I, I very, I very rarely have a moment where it seems like everything steals with my five kids and they all go, thank you, father, for teaching me the word, you know, it's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, but, but it's getting in there. It's like you're saying it's, it's yeah. getting in there. Um, yeah, just get the Bible open, pray and sing, you know, if you just do five minutes of it. Um, I tell guys all the time, a man keeps trying until he gets it right. That's what a real man does. It's, you're going to learn as you do it. Um, I've also found it very helpful for me to get men around me that are doing it too and what's worked for you. And I think uh, the danger, though, is the practical thing. Most guys are looking for practical steps to take, and, and I understand that. But uh, you can look for the practical and totally miss the supernatural. Amen. And so part of what I, I just like to tell guys, all right, this is what God showed me, but you will not know what God wants you to do. It'll look very similar, but, you know, get you some things where only God's taught you, you know, what's, what did God tell you? what God show you? And, and, you know, tell your family, show your family. So it could, it could looks all very similar in the home, but, you know, I, I say it sometimes as dead man's bones when I tell them my practical things I've done, because it's not, may not be practical for you. It may not work right. right. Uh, ask God for the supernatural. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I think we're we're scared of that, aren't we? We're, we're we are. <laughs> but if you can embrace that, I mean, hey, we we know and love a God that we can't see, but is always moving, always doing, and learning how to express that. We spoke a lot here, and you have shared a lot toward dads and fathers and things. Man, tease that out a little bit for some. I know we have a lot of godly ladies in here that maybe are desiring their husband to step into that role. What's some encouragement you'd give them again, maybe a little more? Yeah, I think part of, um, especially my wife, I mean, um, you know, if we really look in scripture and see it throughout the whole counsel of God's word, it is going to be that, you know, there's a, there's a plan for the man to be destroyed by Satan. 
Uh, we see that early on in scripture. And so that's not going to be different for your husband. It's not going to be different for your son, right. uh, not be different for your, for your pastor. And, and I like to say it this way, Satan has a more effective plan to reach man than do most churches. Wow. And part of that comes through, you know, if you look early on in the, in, in the old Testament, you know, where Adam and Eve and they're in that garden and, and Dr. Robert Lewis would teach that, you know, he, he did not love and protect his wife. The major downfall was the the protecting piece. And, so you can question his love for his wife. And, you know, like most guys, he probably didn't know what that looked like. And so I think part of, um, you know, for the women out there, one of the great resources we've used is from Reviver Hearts. And it's a 31 day um, prayer guide that, that you can get from Nancy, Nancy and their ministry there, Reviver Hearts. And uh, so that's one tool we give away. So if we start with a church, we begin with the ladies to say, we need your prayers. We need your support. We need your understanding because, um, we know you want a spiritual leader. We know he needs revival. We know he needs a touch from God. He needs discipleship, but there's nothing here for him. You look in your local church in America, there's nothing here for him. Right. So you're, you ought to be for him. You ought to be for this. And then sometimes ladies push back and say, what about the ladies? I said, every time we touch a man, we also touch you. Exactly. If we're discipling him, we're, we're, we're ministering, you know, to you ultimately when, you know, when men win, everybody wins. And that's the whole principle and process. But uh, ladies are really, really key to that, and they have the power that God's given them in that. And um, when they press into that through a, a a series of prayers and you know focus and understanding of love and respect, I man, it's a uh, it's a platform for you know power to really come alive. And that she he realizes she's for him. Yeah. And um, my, well, my wife when we first when I first got right with God, I you know, and we went through some challenges. Obviously, when you're married for 20, almost 24 years, there's going to be some things that. Uh, that, that God exposes and, and uh, how do you respond to that? And um, uh, one time I was, and this is a, this is true. I was, when I resigned as a pastor, I was hurting and broken and, you know, what's the next step? I'm about to turn 40. I can't make the wrong decision here. I need the will of God. I need to discern that. And, um, and my wife one day, you know, something I didn't do, I didn't lead family worship right, or I didn't do something right. And I didn't know what it was and she can't tell you what it was. And I, and she tells a story all the time. So I'm not, not throwing her under the bus. <laughs> But she um, she asked me to come upstairs and and I'm I'm at a place where, you know, not another not another thing. You know, what what is it? I'm not doing right. And and she said she said what she had to say. I remember sitting on that hope chest and there was no hope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do wrong? I told her I feel like a little boy coming in, getting scolded by his mom. And here I am again in, in the, you know, in time out, so to speak. And uh, I just told her, I said, you know, you know, Nicole and, and a lot of our marriage, 12 years of marriage at the time. I feel like you're very critical of what I'm doing. And, and I don't think you meant me to be that way. Uh, but with God's help, would you ask him to help you tip the scales that I hear life? I hear hope. I hear peace. I hear joy coming out of you because uh, I need that right now. And, and God, the spirit of God used that to break her of that. And um, and so she in, in scripture, it says that she does them good all the days of her life. She turned that into her life. And that's her life vision for me. But not only me. If she does me good, she does our family good. She does our boys good. She does our girls good. And so she teaches that. I mean, and part of that process is to be thankful for him, to be forgiving of him, to be helpful to him. Um, you know, all those things and that we can do, that ladies can do for a man that most guys probably don't get, you know. Wow. Well, that is solid gold. Uh, my, my wife and I adopted really the, the passage where it talks about Jesus being a life-giving spirit. Yes, sir. Yeah. The, the easiest thing to do in our flesh is to take life. 
through our words, actions, whatever it is. And my wife does such a good job, you know, to try to bring life, give life to the tree. I found a lot in in counseling. You see this, you know, like the the wife's wanting God to move in her husband's life, you know, and and rightly so she's praying. She's probably been the spiritual leader in their home. And then the Lord does something in his life, you know, and he starts to take that step and it goes from that longing to almost shaming him. You know, that, it, that, well, you haven't been this, you know, or you, or you're doing it wrong and you want to say like, Hey, just hold up. We're, we're, we're moving. The needle's right. moving. You right. know, so he's, no, no one, no one is shaped well through shame. You know, no, no. No, there's correction, all those things, obviously honesty, but speak like you're saying, speak life and hope. Yeah. And that's, that's, that was, to me, that changed everything. That was right when we were starting Real Momentum. And I knew I could not start a ministry like this without my wife. Right. And so she's critical to, she's critical to revival. She's critical to the move of God, you know, in that spiritual leader, we, you know, you and I know about father wounds and we teach about those, those issues. And, you know, if it doesn't turn around, the problem is most of these marriages that end up breaking up, right. will go into a place of bitterness It'll cause a father wound from a lady's side. And so it affects the blessing of the children. And she's, she's living from a place of bitterness rather than brokenness. And she does not realize she's, she's set the pathway for a curse in her children's life because she's got the children pitted against the father and she don't want to live there. The kids don't want to live there. And, and, and that's why for us at the time, it was, it was, you know, I, I didn't want to lead our family to, to bitterness. So I was begging God for brokenness. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And uh, Crawford, the rich priest, a message one time in, in April, I, I responded in August. And, and so, you know, the challenge I was in was in a church. I can become bitter, a bitter old man. You know, I don't want to be a bitter Baptist. <laughs> I want to be a broken man of God. And, and uh, so how do I do that? So what I learned was the, you know, the privilege of, of not the poison of, of, of bitterness, but the blessing and, and privilege of brokenness. Keith, can't thank you enough, man, for your time on the podcast today, the ministry that you guys are y'all have and are leading with real momentum. I'd really encourage people to check you guys out what you're doing. And I'm sure we're going to follow up and capture another interview with you, maybe specific to men here in the future. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you, man. God bless you guys and, and keep praying for a move of God among men and families and churches. Well, what a great testimony of what God does mm-hmm. when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, mm-hmm. right? When we, when we say yes to Christ, when we get honest with Christ, all those things that that bring the extraordinary movement of God mm. into our life first and then into our home. And and we want to take a minute and pray for our homes, yeah. right? That just revival would come right. to our home. So you join us as we pray. Let, let me begin. Father, we are so grateful that you can you can dwell. Uh, the Bible talks in Psalm 85 of, about revival. It's when the glory dwells in the land, and and that glory can dwell in our home. Hmm. Uh, Lord, we, we're so imperfect, but Father, we want a home that just, that just radiates with the life of Christ, is warm because of the life of Christ. There's integrity and truth, and there's forgiveness, and there's clearing of the conscience. Because Jesus is in our home, and we f- our children feel mm-hmm. Jesus. They, they know Jesus. They experience Jesus. And so, Father, we pray for a fresh revival. I pray for all of us who are listening today 
that we would commit to pray for your glory to dwell in our home and, uh, and, and that we would see that extend into our churches, into our nation uh, for your sake and for your glory. Yeah, Lord, just a picture in my mind and spirit right now, Lord, is just for altars in every home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, places where every family, uh, every father, mother, or every child learns how to come and lay their life before the Lord and say, here's our family, here's our life, and just welcomes you. And I, I pray, Lord, I, I mean this, Lord, I, I ask for the families of the family of God all across our nation specifically right now when, when the world is just crazy mm-hmm. and families are under attack and there's so much uh, deception and lies and things to destroy what you designed, mm-hmm. I ask in Jesus' name. That when unbelievers uh, come into the home, the literal physical home of a family that loves Jesus, they would know the presence of God. That's right. And it would we, that you would make in this moment in history, the family of God in in literal families, uh, Lord, such a lot to the world hmm. because you have brought life because you have done miraculous things, God. So even now, even in the hearts of listeners today, I pray that people would cooperate with that work mm-hmm. in a real way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, all this week, let's just all pray that God would bring an extraordinary movement of God right in the walls of our own home. We'll see you next week. <laughs>